So we are going to be reflecting together on that passage that was read just a few moments ago from Acts 10, but I think it's only right that before we come before God and study his word that we allow him to prepare our hearts and our minds to receive the message he has for us. So would you please bow your heads and pray with me? Let's pray together. Lord God, we give you so much thanks that we can be back together in this place. Thank you that you have set aside this time to meet with us. You've given us the gift of your word by which we might know you. And so, Lord, we ask this morning that you would give us open hearts and minds to receive the message you have for us. And, Lord, I pray that the words of my lips and the meditation of my heart would be pleasing in your sight, O God, who is indeed our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we are continuing in this series called Speaking of Jesus, in which we're talking about what does it mean to be a people who have regular, everyday conversations about faith and life with those around us. Because one of the things that we learned last week is that over a third of American adults have said that they made some sort of significant change in their life directly as a result of someone having a spiritual conversation with them. And when they were defining spiritual conversation, it was a pretty simple definition. It was any conversation with anyone about faith or life or spirituality, including doubts. That's it. As a result of those conversations, over a third of American adults said, I made some sort of change in my life because someone was willing to sit down and talk with me. And so through this series, we're talking about, well, well, how do we become those kinds of people who have those conversations with everyone? This morning, I want to talk a little bit about interruptions. I don't know about you, but I feel like I am being bombarded by interruptions these days. Uh, Sometimes it's those emails that kind of flood your inbox with issues and and problems that you have to address that you weren't planning on addressing uh, that day. That that, uh, suddenly it's like, okay, now this... er urgent thing has become my urgent thing and I have to deal with it. Or, or maybe it's uh, all the notifications and text messages you're getting on your phones. I don't know about you, but the closer we get to November, the more I get bombarded by phone calls and text messages from people that I've never met, asking me to fill out this or that uh, opinion poll, asking me to vote for this or that candidate, and they address me by all kinds of names like Kathy and Kevin and Nancy and Dave. And I'm just like, I think you may have the wrong number. Uh, and, and, and these just kind of keep coming. Or I'll be honest, I'm a parent, which means my life is interruptions. Okay, every single waking moment that my children breathe, they're interrupting each other and me to tell me about whatever it is that's going on, right? Just interruption after interruption after interruption, right? And now, honestly, I'll admit, there are certain interruptions that I'm starting to get pretty good at ignoring. I'm getting pretty good at ignoring phone calls from phone numbers that I don't recognize. I'm getting pretty good at ignoring uh, and actually blocking text messages from people that I don't want to hear from. I'm getting really good at turning off the notifications on my phone or snoozing certain messages in my inbox and so on and so forth. Notice I said I'm not getting good at ignoring my kids. Parents, you're not allowed to do that. Sorry, you still got to give your kids your full attention. But, But we get pretty good at filtering things out. And honestly, filtering out some of the interruptions is probably a good thing for our own, like, mental and emotional sanity. But I have to wonder if in our urgency to get past interruptions, if we might be missing something. Because what if some interruptions are really 
not interruptions at all? What if some interruptions are actually something more than we might initially think? Because you see, our story for this morning from Acts chapter 10 is how an interruption suddenly turns into an invitation. If you've got your Bibles or you want to queue it up on your phone, you can take a look at Acts chapter 10 with me in verse 9 where we find the Apostle Peter suddenly gets interrupted. He gets interrupted by a vision from God in which he's up on the roof praying at about noontime. Now, this was very typical for a Jewish person in Peter's day. There were several times throughout the day that the Jewish people were supposed to pray. And so he went up onto the roof and he's praying and it's about meal time. So he figured, hey, while we're waiting for the meal to be prepared, I'll, I'll take some time in prayer. And while he's sitting there praying, he gets interrupted by a vision. And this is what the vision is. It says that he saw heaven opened and something like a large sheet being let down down to earth by its four corners. And it contained all kinds of four-footed animals as well as reptiles and birds. And then a voice said to him, hey Peter, I know it's lunchtime. Take your pick from the menu. Get up, kill, eat. And we know that this is weird because of the fact that not only is it strange to see a big sheet of animals being like dropped down in front of you, but it would have been especially almost offensive to Peter because the animals that are on that sheet are ceremonially unclean animals. There were certain animals that the Jewish people weren't allowed to eat. We know that they're ceremonially unclean. One, because it mentions reptiles. They weren't allowed to eat reptiles. But number two, Peter's own reaction. He's like, no way. There's no, Lord, I've never eaten anything unclean. There's no way that I am taking and eating one of these animals. And yet three times this vision happens. And every time Peter says, no way, Lord, I'm not going to do it. God responds, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. And just as the third vision concludes and Peter's starting to wonder, what could this mean? There's a knock on the door where suddenly three men show up and the spirit nudges Peter and says, Simon, three men are looking for you. So get up, go downstairs. Don't hesitate to go with them for I have sent them to you. Peter's sitting there pondering this vision three times, this sheet coming to him, and now all of a sudden, three men. And again, this would have been really puzzling to Peter because of the fact that the three men are Gentiles. They're non-Jewish people. They're saying, hey, our master, who's also a Gentile, by the way, has sent us to you, and you're supposed to come with us to his house. Jews and Gentiles didn't do this. Jewish people didn't go to Gentile homes to hang out with them, much less have a meal, because again, Gentiles didn't observe the same ceremonial rules that the Jews did. And yet, Peter is sitting there, and he realizes, wait, three times I get this vision, now these three men, and God is saying to me, don't call anything impure that God has made clean. Peter realizes that this isn't an interruption at all. This is an invitation you see, sometimes this is the way God works. Life's, in, uh, life's interruptions become inv God's invitations. Life's interruptions become God's invitations. God uses these moments to interrupt us because he's trying to help us see that he is at w work in ways that maybe we didn't expect. That's exactly what Peter has been invited into. And the question is, will he respond is he ready to go when God calls? Because you see, sometimes I think when it comes to spiritual conversations, we have this impression, this mistaken impression, that it's all on us to get it started. 
that it's all about the work that we have to do to get the ball rolling in the conversation. And yet, what I have found, as I've had spiritual conversations with people, is that although spiritual conversations are, rare, are rarely planned according to my schedule, they always happen according to God's schedule. That while they're rarely planned according to my schedule, they always happen according to God's schedule. Because there's a whole part to this story that Peter didn't see, that Peter didn't know about, that he didn't realize. Because behind the scenes, God has already been working. Look what it says in Acts chapter uh, 10 verse 1. Just a few verses before the story, it says, At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion, in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. And one day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius, your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner whose house is by the sea. You see, Cornelius got interrupted too. His prayers were interrupted by the vision of an angel from God. The angel said, I want you to go get Peter because there's a message that I need you to hear. And then God goes to Peter and says, hey, I want you to get up and go to Cornelius because there's a message that I want you to give. God has been putting this whole conversation together. And I love what happens when Peter actually responds. He, he goes with them to Cornelius' house and, and listen to what he says. He says, you are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you've sent for me? I just love Peter's honesty. He's just like, he's just like God is doing something here, and I don't know what it is. So, so what, what do you think we should talk about? He basically just, has, just straight up asks him. And, and what's incredible is that Cornelius has a chance to tell his story. Basically, that's what Peter says. He's like, so tell me your story. Why, why did you send to me? I just want to hear what's going on. And Cornelius tells him about this vision and says, and that's, that's why I sent for you. So now what do you have to say? What do you want to talk about? And then Peter goes on, and, and what does he say to Cornelius? Does he sketch out the gospel on a napkin? No. Does he launch into some amazing sermon? No, not really. Does he give him a detailed theological treatise on the incarnation? Not in the slightest. No, he simply says this. Like, I now realize how true it is that God doesn't show favoritism. He accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. And then he goes on, and what does he do? He just tells his story. He tells his story of following Jesus. He tells a story of what he saw Jesus do what he heard Jesus say, and ultimately what he was able to witness that very first Easter Sunday morning when Jesus rose again from the dead. See, Peter and Cornelius just share their stories with each other. And through it, God is at work. Because the moment Peter is done sharing about what happened through Jesus Christ. In fact, while he's still speaking, it says that the Holy Spirit is poured out on Cornelius and upon his entire household. And they all come to faith. 
God used what seemed like an interruption as an incredible invitation that brought Cornelius to faith. And what's so incredible about this is not only the transformation that happens in Cornelius' life and in the life of his household, but actually the transformation that happens in the life of the church. Because it's this conversion of Cornelius that leads Peter to go back and tell the rest of the church, hey guys, I think we're supposed to give this good news to the Gentiles too. Because you see, that's what happens when we have spiritual conversations. Not only does it bless the people we're talking to, it transforms us as well. It helps us to see that God is calling. And the question is, will we answer his call when it comes? As I was thinking about this story, and I was thinking about this calling for us to have spiritual conversations, to be ready when God calls, the thing that came to mind was actually a story I was told by one of your fellow members. Uh, A friend of mine named Jared Hamilton Uh, He and I were talking a couple of weeks ago, and he shared an amazing story that, quite honestly, is so much like Peter's story, it's almost creepy. But rather than me telling the story, I wanted you all to hear it from Jared's own lips. Watch this. I received a call a couple months back um, while I was on another work call. And so I didn't switch over and answer it. And afterwards, I decided that I was going to call that number back for some reason. I called the number back and a gentleman asked, answered. And I said, you know, just returning the missed call. And he said, I didn't call you. And I was a little confused. I said, okay, must have had a wrong number. And he said, but wait, don't hang up. God doesn't make mistakes. And... I think God had a purpose for this phone call. So why don't you tell me, is God putting something on your heart that you need to speak with me about? And I was caught off guard, um, obviously, because people don't say things like that, at least not to me. Um, So I said, no, not that I'm aware of, but I am a believer and I believe in Jesus Christ, that he's my savior. And... um, It just turned into a long, probably a 20-minute conversation. What really struck me is that I didn't feel like there was something that I needed out of that conversation, but God was giving me something out of that conversation. He was using this gentleman, Timothy, as it turns out his name is, to evangelize to me without me even understanding that I needed to feel Jesus' love through someone else. So we had a long conversation. It was very powerful. Um, We prayed together, and that was it. About a week, a week and a half later, I received another call. Um, This time I answered it, and a gentleman said, do you sell used bikes? And I said, no, I think you have the wrong number. And in my mind, it clicked. I said, all right, here's your chance. And as I was about to say, but let's have a conversation, he hung up. Later on that evening, I was laying in bed and I just felt really convicted. Um, I felt like the Holy Spirit was nudging me and saying, don't wait till next time. This is the time. I gave you an opportunity, 
and you didn't you didn't come through so here's your next opportunity you still have his number in your cell phone call him so the next day that's what i did i prayed and i called this gentleman and i said you called me yesterday about used bikes and he said yes and i said well i don't have used bikes but god's put it on my heart to reach out to you and to see if there's anything that you need to talk to me about or want to talk to anybody about or things that i can be praying for you about and immediately this gentleman's demeanor changed from who's this stranger on the other end of the phone to this person cares about me this person is reaching out and wants to know if i'm hurting or if i need something um, and i could just feel it through the phone through his almost silence like walls start to come down and his tone softened and he wasn't his voice wasn't as deep and he wasn't as gruff and we continued to have another 10 or 15 minute conversation what i really realized from these calls are the the need that we have the need that we have to feel the love of jesus in our lives whether we know it or not when we get it it just lifts you up you feel it through your whole body and there's so many opportunities that I've let slip by um, that I haven't reflected God's love to people who needed it. Um, maybe not even knowingly, but I've tried to purposefully focus on opening my heart to the possibilities of sharing the love of Jesus with those around me because that's what we're called to do. Um, love your neighbor as yourself. That takes on a new meaning when someone calls you. Maybe they didn't call you, but you're on the same line with them. And he says, God doesn't make mistakes. You're on this call for a reason. Let's have a talk. You're on this call for a reason. So let's talk. That's how simple it was. What many of us would write off as an interruption, God was using as an invitation. And the question is, are we ready? See, one of the things that I think is just so beautiful in this story, what we see in the God's word as we're looking at Acts chapter 10, is that God is arranging these appointments well in advance of us. He just wants us to be a part of it. That's his invitation to us, is just to participate in what he's already doing in the lives of people around us. Oftentimes, talking with people who suddenly have a spiritual conversation, they'll be like, yeah, it was so weird, it was so weird. But no, it's not weird. Not when you know who Jesus is, because you realize that's just the way Jesus works. That's the way he loves to do it. In fact, that's the way he came. It wasn't according to anybody's plan or anybody's schedule. And yet that's how he entered our world. I'm sure nobody had intended that he be born a poor kid in a stable. Nobody thought that the Messiah would be a nobody who was just a carpenter. Nobody thought that he would ultimately die on a cross and rise again. It wasn't according to our world's plans, but it was exactly what he intended. That's just the way Jesus works. I love how the Apostle Paul actually tells us 
that it was at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Likewise, in John's gospel, he talks a little bit about how Jesus comes. He says the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus interrupts our world, and the question is, do we have eyes to see him? Do we have hearts to receive him, to respond in those moments when he calls? Because if you are here this morning and you are listening to this message and you're wondering, is God calling me? The answer is, if you're here, the answer is yes, he is. That if you're not sure where you're at in your relationship with Jesus and wondering, does God want me? Is he pursuing me? The only reason that you're hearing these words is because yes, he is. You are here for a reason. You're in this room for a reason. You're listening to this message for a reason. God is calling. Will we recognize him? Will we receive him? Will we be a part of what he's doing because his desire is to give everyone the right to become his children? His desire is that through us and through our words and through our presence, people would encounter God's love, his grace, his truth, as it's given to us through Jesus. He's already on the move. Are we ready? My prayer is that we would be. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks that you don't leave spiritual conversations up to us. You've already started them. You've already begun your work in the hearts of people around us, and all you ask us to do is to join you in that work. And so, Lord, this morning we ask that you would make us people who have eyes to see you, ears to hear you, hearts to receive you, and hands and feet that will go, that our lips might speak the good news that you've given us to share, that more people might come to know your love, your grace, and your truth. It's in your name, Lord Jesus, that we pray. Amen.